Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. There was a soldier that was serving in an army that was not a conscripted army, it was a volunteer army, and he went up, he went up to his commanding officer and says, we all volunteered to be here, right? And the commanding officer said, yeah, this is a volunteer army. He said, fantastic, I would like to volunteer to be the general. We, we see, hymn number 343, we sing Just As I Am, and we're, we're, we're terribly bad about, so songs the Christian churches and churches of Christ are so bad about singing first, second, and last verse. We just, we, we've done that. It's every church. It's every single one in the restoration movement. We all sing first, second, and last verse, um, and, and we always skip the, the rest. Uh, and, and, and on some songs, when, when it's a closing song, it's first and last verse every time. And Just As I Am is one of those songs that you always put at the end of the service and you sing first and last verse, and that one bugs me because that is a song that charts the growth of a Christian and we start with accept Jesus and everything will be better and we skip everything in between that the other verses spell out. Verse 2 says, Just As I Am and Waiting Not to Rid My Soul of one dark blot. We like the message just as I am. Jesus will take me just as I am. Done. But he doesn't leave us there. Uh, that's, that's the point of the song is having accepted us and Jesus accepts any of us where we are, he doesn't leave us there. He, he transforms us into the image of Christ and if we only teach that Jesus is a come-as-you-are party and we leave it at that, then what did he have to die for? What, why, why do we have the rest of the New Testament telling us how to live and how to be Christ-like if just as I am and I'm done? But just as I am is how we come, but it's not how we stay. We're, we're called to be Christ-like. Um, we, it, 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 the Christian army is a volunteer army. We get to choose whether or not we want to join or not. We're not conscripted. But we don't get to pick our place in the army. We don't get to pick the terms of our enlistment. We are given the chance to join Christ's kingdom, but we don't pick the terms. He takes us just as we are, but the terms of enlistment are, and you'll change, and you will become more Christ-like. That's what the call is for. Um, when, when I was in college and post-college, uh, as I've said before, I worked for the Steak and Shake Corporation, uh, and, and they were good to me. I, I enjoyed waiting tables with them. Uh, I, I was decent enough that I was grateful that I could set my hours, and I never worked on a Sunday. Sunday, Sunday was the Lord's Day. Sunday was the chance to... Uh, su- Sunday was the, was, was the chance to uh, 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 go to church, and then after church... Uh, uh, rest and, and, and read my Bible, and it was my day off, and, and I set those terms. The church isn't like that. For jobs, if you're good at what you do, maybe, and in your career, maybe you're able to say, I work Monday through Friday, and then I'm, I'm off Saturday, Sunday, or maybe you're able to pick different days. For, for the church, um, 
when we join God's kingdom, that's, it, it's on his terms. That's, that's not an option. Um, just as I am, but then we do it his way. Or, or we don't join. We, we, we join despite the flaws, but we try to improve. Peter ends his first epistle, uh, chapter 5, with some final words for his flock, for, for the flock. We are the flock. He reminds us that this flock, it's not ours, it's not his. It belongs to God. We belong to God. Chapter 5, I feel, is divided into a couple of sections, uh, and, and we'll divide it that way. There's the part for the leadership of the church, and there's the part for the congregation. Um, so we'll, we'll divide it up that way. First Peter chapter 5, verse 1. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed, be shepherds of God's flock. That is, under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Peter here identifies as a fellow elder. He's, he's making a rapport with his readers. He says, this isn't, this isn't me preaching down at you or, or ordering you about as if I'm on high and you're, you're down here. I, I'm one of you. When, when I graduated college and moved to Urbana, I went to a church, and, and, and the preacher at that church was a man named Jeff. And Jeff is one of my favorite preachers. He, he was a good human being, uh, and I think one of the things I loved most about Jeff was he was so transparent. He was transparent in his own struggles in life. Uh, it never felt like standing in the pulpit he was preaching down at me. If anything, it felt like he was preaching at himself, and I was along for the ride. And, and, I, and I deeply appreciated that humility, uh, his ability to say, we're all in this together. I don't know that I've ever... I don't know that I've ever experienced a preacher uh, uh, preach that so successfully as, as, as he did. Um, and, and consequently, when he offered spiritual advice, it was an awful lot easier to take because I knew that he got it. I knew that he was in the struggle with me. I, I think uh, Peter does that, I feel, with that. I don't feel that Peter comes across as someone who says, I've got my act together, I'm, I'm, I'm the perfect elder, I'm the perfect apostle, look at my role of leadership, everybody sit at my feet and listen to me. I don't, I don't feel that Peter comes across that way. This is an important passage for us to look at, and it's important in part because Peter is an elder. He understands the duties, the qualifications of the elders. Three, three words are used to describe this, this leadership position in the church. Elder, overseer, shepherd, Peter uses all three of these words. All three of these words describe the duties of an elder. Um, he, and he gives the qualifications in a do's and don'ts format. He says, elders are to serve not forced, but freely. Uh, I, we, you're not supposed to talk about what goes on in an elders meeting. I'm going to spoil that now, and I might get in trouble. We 
have a, a tradition among the elders meeting. We, we open, or among the board meeting. In the board meeting, we open with a devotion. And if you miss a meeting, you've got the next devotion. That, that's just, if, you, if, if for whatever reason you missed, you're on deck next time. Because, because we'll call for volunteers and you will get volunteered. And, and it's something that's kind of a little game among us. Uh, 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 it, it's something that's kind of fun and we can laugh about it because we all get the chance to serve. And I enjoy doing devotions and, and I think most of the guys do as well. Uh, but I have known churches that if you miss a meeting, you get volunteered for the big stuff, the, the important stuff. There, there are churches that if you miss a board meeting, uh, and it, like let's take my previous church, um, the board meetings were open to anybody in the, in, in the church. It wasn't just elders and deacons. If you missed a board meeting, you might, be ele- you might be volunteered to be an elder, which is a catastrophic way of doing things. The very first thing that Peter says is you need to be willing to do this. And I've known so many churches that will appoint elders without asking people, do you want do this. As crazy as that sounds, there are churches that will say, well, this person seems really good at this job. We'll make them an elder. And the person says, well, I didn't want to do that. And they never come to church again because they got volunteered into a position. We do have to be careful that people are serving freely. Oftentimes people will say, does this job need to be done about anything? And, I'm, and my response will be, it needs to be done, but that doesn't mean that you need to do it unless you want to do it. I'm a firm believer that God will raise up the people that need to do the job, that, that want to do the job. People shouldn't feel forced into ministry. Peter says that a shepherd is willing to serve. Um, there, and and some people feel forced into this. There are churches where, you know, dad was an elder and my granddad was an elder and I guess I got to do it. Well, not if you don't want to. You're not obliged to do something that, doesn't, that you're not being called to do. We need to make sure that we recognize God's call is different than man's call or tradition. The first question I would ask any potential leader in a church, any elder, do do you want to do it? It's not an easy task. It's not as easy as it thinks. I I know a lot of people think that the elders get together occasionally to talk about how we spend money and we're done. Wouldn't it be nice if that was as as easy as the job was? Here's what we're going to spend the money on. Let's go home. Man, that would be a whole lot easier than what it really is. Uh, It's a big task. It's an awesome responsibility to say this is God's flock and we're willing to to accept the responsibility of leading God's people. And, and if things go wrong, then, then it's, it's on us that we didn't, that we didn't hear the, the call of God and, 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 and lead appropriately in that situation. This is an awesome responsibility. Um, this is not a social club. This is the people of God that are getting people ready for eternity with God, offering Offering God's message of salvation to the community, that's an awesome responsibility to lead. People need to serve freely if they're called to that leadership position. They need to do it, Peter says, not for gain, but, but to give. And, and so when I hear that, I think, I can't help but ask the question, so were, they doing, were some people doing it for gain? Was that, were they getting that wrong? I, it, may, it does make me wonder in, in Peter's day, were they reimbursing the elders for their time? Were they, was it a paid position? I don't, semi-paid position. Sir, I mean, the preacher is a paid position in, in, in most churches, obviously. Um, I've known bigger churches have multiple ministers. 
that may be paid. I wonder, I wonder if, if that was something in, in New Testament times as well, that some of the elders were being paid for their service to the church. Um, and Peter says, money better not be gain, better not be why you're doing this. There's, there was a tradition in, in the Orthodox churches that a minister could, if they left their church, they could only go to a smaller church. Because moving to a bigger church would be a stepping up in prestige and they might get paid more and they might... And so they had a tradition, I don't know if they still have this, but the tradition was you can always go to a smaller church, but if you want a bigger church, you need to build it up because we don't, we don't let you climb through the churches and use churches as a stepping stone. I respect that. I, I do. The position of the elder, like the position of the deacon, is a position of service. It's not about gain, it's about giving. I, I, I'm reminded of the words, we, uh, one of my elders in, in, back in Illinois, Vernon, made the comment that people, people think that the church is like a, a pyramid, and you've got the members, and then you've got the deacons, and then there's the elders and the preacher on top, and he said, man, invert the pyramid. <laughs> he said, the, uh, it's, that's, it's, ups, it's an upside-down pyramid, uh, uh, the deacons are the servants of the church, and the elders are, are, are in their leadership position are serving in an even greater capacity. And it's about serving everybody, not about climbing to the top. And that has obviously stuck with me because I think that that's an, a very accurate image. It's not about prestige. It's not a popularity contest. Um, if anything, it's the opposite. Uh, reminded that if you want to direct the... If, you're, if you want to conduct the orchestra... You turn your back on the audience. Uh, that it's not about people seeing your face; it's about serving. Note the position of the elder in any leadership, but but certainly elders is what's is what's the main position of leadership that we're talking about is for the sake of serving the church. And let me say, not even serving the church first, but let me say, serving the church only. Uh, and I will say that this applies to other ministry positions, deacons and musicians and Sunday school teachers, but in the elder in particular, because of the leadership role that the elders serve in the church, the elder, uh, there's the greatest risk to the church if elders are doing it wrong, if the church is picking the wrong people to serve as elders. And I, I again want to say that, and we'll get into this a little bit more, that, that it's not, I, don't, I also don't think it's the church that chooses I think I think that it's God, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more here. Um, uh, positions of ministry are stressful; they can be. Um, not everybody's always going to be happy all the time. There will be complaints about why didn't we do this? Why why did we do this? Why didn't we spend the money this way? I, I ask. I hope that you're praying for the leadership of the church because if you're not, you're setting the church up for uh, for failure. Uh, it's a stressful position. It's an important position. It's a biblical position. And if we're not lifting up the leaders of the church, then then I don't know that we're I don't know that we have our success in mind uh, as a church. And and again, it's uh, the success is not about money. It's not about things flowing smoothly. The success of the church is sharing the go- sharing God's gospel to the world. That's what we want to succeed in. And. And that requires all of us. We're, we're, not everybody can be an elder, but everybody can support uh, God's leadership for the church. Um, I, I pray that we pray 
to, to support that. And so we're, we're then reminded that it's not to lord it over people, but it is for the purpose of leadership. God's family, biblically, has been called to have leaders. Um, some people today want power. Uh, some people want to be in charge. This, I want to climb to the top. Um, I, I've been to too many churches. <laughs> the joy of being a third-generation preacher, I've been to too many churches that have had power struggles, ugly power struggles, that have hurt churches, and it's been people's egos getting in the way. Um, but that's not what we see biblically, is, is the job of, of anyone in the church, is to get their way. It's about God having his way. Uh, it, I suspect this was, a, this was a, something that Peter was familiar with. Uh, as a as a leader in the early church, and and, and Peter himself could have been a bully. Uh, uh, we read in the beginning of the book of Acts that Peter rose to a position of prominence among the disciples, and he could have leveraged his voice as, I might even say, first among the disciples, um, he first among the apostles. He could have leveraged that and, and and said, "You guys need to listen to me, and I'm in charge, and 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 we're going to do things my way." But that's not the way that Peter leads. He's not a bully. Um, how he handles the authority and, uh, and responsibility that God entrusted with him is, is I think, a, a witness to us on how it should be handled when we have it in, in our lives. So, so the secret to choosing good leaders in a church is that we don't choose. Can you imagine a choir that says you're going to sing this part and you're going to sing this part and you're going to sing this part and just randomly choosing or rolling the dice or drawing stars, straws, um, and, and picking who will sing what. The tenors sing tenor. If, you're, if you have a tenor voice, then the tenors should sing tenor. And the guys with the deeper voices sing bass. And for the women, the altos and the sopranos, um, you, the people that are already singing the parts should be the parts that are given to Churches that run smooth are when the, when the church acknowledges who God is already working through. We don't have elections in this church. We don't like to call them elections because God chooses how his church will function. We get together when we have our, our once a year, um, what do we call it, ballot? Is that how, what do we call that? What's the congregational meeting. When we have our congregational meeting and you, and you check, the goal isn't a popularity contest. The goal is when you prayerfully consider it, who has God called to the position? Not who do you want. When we talk about elders and deacons and when we go over the budget, our goal isn't to say, what do I want? Our goal is, what is God already doing in the congregation? When, when we talk about leadership, we want to know what God is doing, because God calls people. We don't call people to leadership, do we? God calls people. Uh, if it was up to us, we'd pick the wrong... We, we, we would do what Israel did with King Saul. We would vote on a guy that looked impressive. King Saul became king because he was six foot whatever. And that was the only qualification Israel was looking for. God was looking for someone like David. And if we do it on our, our criteria, we'll do the same thing and we'll make just as bad a decision. What we want to do is look for God's qualifications for who leads his, his, his people. Christ is Lord... He delegates some jobs within his church, of course, and leadership is one of those. Uh, he did this back when he walked the earth. He didn't do it all. He delegated. Here's my, here's my 12. Here's my 70. Jesus delegated. Churches, here's a, churches 
do not churches struggle to break a hundred on a national level half the churches i've read in our country are under a hundred and the other half are over and that magic number is at a church at a hundred one person can do kind of everything and one person can know kind of everybody in a church of 100 you can know everybody in the church and, and you can keep your fingers on everything that's going on. You can keep up with all the different things that we open the doors for. But if it gets bigger than 100, we all have to delegate. When churches get big, think of these churches of, a th- of thousands. You can't visit. The preacher can't visit everybody in the hospital. The, the elders don't know everybody. You, as a member of the church, don't know everybody. You can't come to all of the events. There may be multiple things going on in a building at the same time. And for, and, and for all of us, not just the preacher, it's hard to let go and say, this church can get by without me having my fingers in everything. Delegating is hard. It's hard for everybody. And, but Jesus sets us the example of delegating. The Son of God takes 12 people and then later 70 and says, yours. Go do this ministry. I'm not going with you. If Jesus can do that and can delegate, we need to let go as well and say, it's not about me. It's not about me getting what I want. The church isn't meant to be in my image. I don't have to micromanage all of this. Um, I don't have to know everybody. And, and, and I trust the church to get the job done. And I don't. it's not about me getting my way. The church is a body with Christ as the head. I'm not the head. You're not the head. All of us have the same job, serving him, not, not serving an organization. And so, and so Peter begins this chapter 5 and, and, and has a few verses on leadership. And, and again, I want to emphasize that church leadership is important. And, and if you say, well, this isn't to me, this is to the elders and, and those, those guys can listen. But we should be praying for, the, for, for a healthy church and healthy leadership. But then Peter transitions out of that in, in verse 5. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, just right out of the gate, he... he uh, He's reading, he, this is to every, a little bit on the elders, and then he moves to all y'all. I, as, a, as someone with, with a couple of degrees in linguistics, I love the phrase all y'all. I do. Um, because it used to be that English had you singular and you plural. You could say um, thou and thee if you were talking to one person, or you or ye if you were talking to multiple people, and some of those were... were lower, you know, common people, and then you use different words for the nobility, and that's why we had thou and thee and you and you and all these words. And then for whatever reason, we got rid of three of those four, and now we just use you. And you is one person, you is the president, you is the, the beggar on the street, it, it, it's everybody, it's one person. It got very confusing. But then Appalachia came up with all y'all, and now we can talk about you and all y'all. And that's on a language level, that's so much easier. Uh, and, I did, and I did require my students when I taught Greek in college, I did require my students to say you or y'all in their translations because then I knew if they understood what the Greek pronouns were and if we were talking about one person or, or lots of people. Um, th- this section with the young men, some translations will leave that with the previous section 
because it maybe fits better with the elders than it does. Um, uh, this is not just for the, for, for the guys in the church. It's not just for the leaders in the church. This is for all y'all. Uh, and and I, I, think that we're, I think these words were as appropriate back then as they are now. It's not everybody listen to the elders, even, because now we're talking even to the elders. This is everybody. This is where we're all in it, for, in it together. Uh, and it covers our relationship with God. We are told to be reliant on him. His advice to the congregation is to submit. And here is where living in the U.S. in the year 2021 is tough. Um, we are a nation of people that refuse to submit. No, no nation has been live free or die as much as the U.S. We're not paying extra taxes on our tea. We'll show you what we're going to do with your tea. We're going to dump it overboard. Uh, and, and, and very much the spirit of, of Appalachia and West Virginia is... Get off my property, uh, leave me alone, government stay out of my life. They're, they're, they're as, and I like this about West Virginia. I, like, I love the independence, uh, our independent spirit that we have. But we've got to be careful that we don't then apply that too much into our spiritual life because in our spiritual life, we are dependent upon each other. We are called to be part of a congregation and accountable to each other. And we are reliant and dependent upon God, aren't we don't want the attitude of, God, I'll show up at church on Sunday, leave me alone the rest of my week. That's the exact opposite of what we want. We're called to be reliant upon God at all, at all times. So, and, and we do get reliance to some extent. Uh, I sure hope if, if, if the police pull you over, I sure hope that you don't try to outrun them. I hope that you pull over and, and that you're polite. And, and, if, and if the officer gives you a ticket, I hope, uh, I'm sorry that you got a ticket, but I hope that we ex- accept it. I hope that we're good, lawful citizens because there is a place for submission and there is a place for... And, and when we rely on the system, we like things to go smooth and we, we want our, our world to go smooth. And by our world, I mean you know, our own personal... You know, the world that we live in, in our immediate vicinity, I, we do get it. We, I just don't think that we always, always get it, and I think that we, we sometimes apply it poorly to our spiritual life. Um, submission is about reliance. It's not about shame. I, I did get pulled over by the police the other day. I was driving through Grafton, and, and I, recently uh, I had to, in driving back to Illinois, uh, or while I'm driving on vacation to Indiana, um, a, a truck in front of me shot a shot a piece of gravel through my windshield, and I had to I had to get my windshield replaced. Well, I'm still getting used to West Virginia, and I forgot that there's an inspection sticker that I needed to ask for to put back on my car. I completely forgot about it, and then got pulled over in Grafton for it. Officer was very nice. He only wrote me a warning, said you need to go get this fixed, um, and I wasn't going to argue with him. I'm wasn't going to try to defend why, you know, he was right. And, 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 and there's no reason. He's not a better person than me because he pulled me over. We just, there's a system in place and the system is, is good. And in the church, it's not about Jason getting his own ideas and, and, and everything about me and, and me getting it right. When I leave it in God's hands and I recognize my place and it's not about me and, and, and in humility, I turn it over to God and I'm reliant on Him. That's when things, that's when things are, are run smooth, and it's and it's 
It's when I grow. When God is in charge and I'm not, when I know that it's his flock, then I don't have to worry about it. And it's not my problem. And, and when it's in his hands. See, my problem is I worry too much about the things that I cannot control. And there's so much out of, out of my hands. That's, again, that goes back to that micromanaging. When, when I try, if I were to try to maintain control of everything, this church can't grow. Because if it gets bigger than 100 people, it's too big for one person to, to, to minister to very easily. Um, when I turn it over to God, and when I recognize that it's about Him and His way and it's not about me, then I can spiritually grow and I lose my anxiety. I cast my cares on Him. I can submit to Him. I can be reliant upon Him. The Bible calls elders shepherds. We're sheep, right? Sheep don't survive on their own in the wild. They're just not built for it. Sheep have to be reliant upon the shepherd to protect them. What does that tell us about us? We are called to be reliant. We are called to be resistant. Verse 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Once we recognize who's in charge, we then recognize who's out to defeat us. We know on a, we know that Satan exists, or we should know that, but I think too often we write it off. He becomes just a symbol. And then I wonder if we're actually fighting him. Paul says resist him. I think too often we're passive. We let, we let Satan get his way. I think, I think too often we're fighting the wrong forces. We, we spend so much time fighting our culture. Now, Again, Satan is the prince of this world, and there are some terrible things in our culture these days. But the people are the people that Jesus died for. And I think too often we have the scorched earth idea that there are certain battles we're trying to fight. I mean, we can use elections as the obvious example that we may feel very passionate about our candidate, whoever that is. And we may fight so viciously to get our candidate in office that we haven't done anything to advance the cause of Christ. Maybe we've even stooped to being unchristlike and trying to get our way. The problem with our world is that people don't know Jesus. That's, that's the problem. We, we get distracted by all these other things going on in our world. And it doesn't mean that there aren't other problems. But the biggest problem is that people don't know Jesus. And if, and if we don't keep that as our primary focus, we will get distracted and Satan wins. He wants us to be distracted with everything else. Um, he loves it when the church is arrogant and smug. He's thrilled when we miss the big picture. I, I, I think, and in missing the big picture, sometimes I think that we fall into sin. I think that we sometimes don't know what it means to resist him, to resist Satan. Satan tugs on us and, and we relent. We claim to be in the Lord's army, but then we may act like Satan is our commanding officer. We may act very unchristlike in what we do. And, and, and so then where are we? we? We don't want to delude ourselves that we're, being, that we're Christians if we're not acting Christ-like. We're called to resist the devil. Uh, I, I pray that we're doing that. But when we do, we are restored. Look with me at verse 10. Out of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast to him. Be the power forever and ever. Amen. Peter gives us good news. 
Having resisted the devil, we will win. We're on the winning side. Resist him, he says, be restored. The fight will be hard. The fighting against Satan who wants to ruin your life, fighting against Satan is difficult. It will take everything out of you. It will wear you down some days. It will discourage you. It will drain you. It will distress you. But, but, but that's, that's okay. I, um, when, when I was in college, I went on a mission trip with Pioneer Bible Translators to Papua New Guinea. And we went to a village up in the mountains called Kadiari. Uh, and, and the missionaries there, Mike and Linda, Mike came down to the airstrip to meet us. And then we walked to Kadiari. Oh, I will never forget that. Um, jungle across multiple rivers, so wet shoes and wet clothes and uh, no, no, no bridges, fording the rivers. Up in the mountains, so it was uphill, an uphill jungle climb. Temperature was over 100. Um, uh, jungles of Papua New Guinea, mosquitoes, rivers. Wow. So, uh, all of our gear on our back, 50 pounds or more, whatever. I, I don't know, probably more than that. All of our gear on our back. Six miles up the mountain, uh, there's a point, when, and I was not in shape for that, there was a point when I just thought, you know what, my previous life is a myth. It's a, all I've ever been doing is hiking on this mountain. I, I'm, I'm just some mythical figure. My past life is a dream. I'm just trudging forward. People are talking to me. I'm not, ans- I'm not answering them. I'm just trying to put one foot in front of the other. Uh, there is no end. This is my lot in life. Sounds, if it sounds very, very over the top, and I was being melodramatic, I just, I was so exhausted that you just, you just one foot in front of the other is all you're trying to do. We got, we got to the village, top of the mountain, beautiful view. Finally, a nice breeze. Mike was something of a, Mike. Mike is one of the smartest guys I've ever met. He had built a solar-powered re- wooden refrigerator. I don't even know how that works. He had a solar-powered wooden refrigerator. It wasn't huge. He'd only put a little bit in there. And so what would you do if you lived in the middle of, of, of the jungles of Papua New Guinea uh, and couldn't get out of the village very often and you had just limited, limited fridge space, what would you keep in the fridge? Pepsi. And we got to the top of the village and we were each given a Pepsi. And I got my first foretaste of heaven. After that six-mile uphill through the jungle mountain hike, that was, that was the most amazing thing I've ever had in my life. And nothing has ever compared to that since then. That Pepsi was incredible. Um, that, that feeling of, of, of sugar and caffeine and refreshment, and it was cold, and it was amazing. And hang in there. Life can feel like that trip to Kadiati. Uh, hang in there. there, there there's an end in sight. Some days are horrible. Some days we're hanging on by fingertips, and we think we can't go on any further. There is paradise awaiting for us with God, and nothing we have ever experienced will compare. Hang in there. The journey is worth it. Um, all the suffering, one day we will look back with, with joy and say we made it through it, and God was growing us through this. Our, one day the chief shepherd will appear. He will claim his flock. The reward is promised. We have to believe that promise. We have to encourage one another, and that's part of what we do as a church. Peter ends his, his letter with these words. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I've written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings. 
and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Our hymn of decision today is hymn number 320. Peter tells us that he's writing of the true grace of Christ. No, no greater news can be given. Have you accepted the grace of Jesus Christ for your salvation? Have you accepted that you can't make it on your own, that we need his grace? Only his grace can save us. We are called to join his flock, to follow his lead, whoever we are. His love for us is so great that he died for us. If you haven't made that decision to follow Christ, I'd like to talk with you today about what that looks like. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.